Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to look with me at James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 17. James chapter 1, verse 17. I want to mention to you this morning, we are launching a new series of messages this morning, how to say thank you. We're approaching the the Thanksgiving holiday, and I want to uh, just emphasize and focus on that for just a little bit, the spiritual discipline of giving thanks. And um, we have some trees out here in the foyer. You may have seen those on the way in. Uh, they're just standing there. There are also cards on the middle table. We invite you. I've, I've stopped this morning just looked at some of the ones that you guys wrote down last week and hung there on the tree. And those are awesome. And I thank God for them and just rejoice with you. And just some of those things were just so awesome. But if you would, if you're thankful this morning, you got something you just want to drop on a card, thank God for it, and just hang it there on that tree, we would certainly appreciate that. We hope that thing is full. Every branch has something on it before this series is over. So if you've got your word with you there, James chapter 1, verse 17, would you shout amen? Amen. amen. All right, let's look together here. And it says, every good and perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Now, you know, one of the things that I am learning about this life, or one of the most interesting things I find about this life, is that if you live long enough, you will have the opportunity to view the issues and the things of this life from more than one perspective. That's right. Maybe you start out, of course, naturally you start out and you you begin to view things as a child and you see things as a child, you understand things as a child, and then you flow through your teenage years and you see things uh, very differently than at that point in your life. Maybe at one point in life you're single and then you're married and you begin to see things from a whole new perspective. Come on, somebody, shout amen. Uh, so, And then you may be like the psalmist. You may have been young, but now you're old. And you see things very differently than you did maybe a couple of decades ago. And, uh, you know, I am at a stage in my life that I've lived long enough at this point that there are many of life's lessons that I have seen from more than one perspective. And I, as I'm thinking about this issue of Thanksgiving, and uh, I was just beginning to think about this, I, I thought about some of the things that uh, my parents used to say to me. Uh, my parents used to say things to me that when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, you know, you ever, you ever made a noise and your dog gives you that look and it's like, my parents used to say things to me, and I, I did that. I was like, what, was I, what is this strange noise coming out of these people? I, I don't understand this, you know. I just give them that dumb stare. But now, that was as a child, but now as a parent, some days I open my mouth and my mom comes out. I don't know how that works. But, but you know, the, the things that I often thought were overkill reactions to simple situations, I now find myself responding exactly the same way. 
I, I just, it just it comes out. When I was a child, one of those lessons that I learned early on in life was the lesson of appreciation. The lesson of appreciation. Uh, in, the, in the earlier days of my childhood, I want to give you a little history lesson here this morning. Uh, but in the earlier days of my childhood, my mother took the position of a full-time homemaker. Now, because of that, there was a lot of what some people would call sacrifice involved. I don't believe that it's necessarily sacrifice. I believe it's more an issue of preferring some things above other things. And at that, at that season in life, my mom and dad valued her being at home with us of a greater value than her ability to go out and to, and to earn an income. So it wasn't as much a sacrifice as it was an issue of choice. Now, I want to be very quick to add to that, that this is not the only way. It's just the way that my parents chose to navigate through that season of life. And I realize that not everyone has that choice, so I'm by no means implying that one is favorable to the other. But with that choice being made, however, we are a family, we're a family of five. There's three of us kids and mom and dad. That, that, that's, that's five. Yeah. There were five of us there in the home, and with that choice being made, there was one income. So, now, my dad was not an executive in a corporate setting. He didn't occupy the corner office. No, neither of my parents had, uh, possessed advanced degrees. Uh, just, just a simple, blue-collar, working-class family in eastern North Carolina in the 70s and 80s. And I'm not sure how it happened. Being an adult now at this point in my life, it almost seems like some kind of a magic trick or something. But while I do remember being told no, how many have ever heard that word, no, right? It's a, it's a forgotten phrase anymore. We just say yes to everything, anything, we, yes. But I, I remember in my life as a child being told no. But what I don't ever remember was doing without. I never remember doing without. And I, I've never known what it's like to experience hunger. I know what it's like to be hungry, but I've never lived in a state of hunger. I've never known what it's like to be homeless. I've never known what it's like to be naked or to be without clothes. I don't even know what it's like to have been ragged. Well, except for that brief period in the late 80s when the holy jeans were in style the first time. So you kids, it's nothing new, okay? It was, they were holy. Not only were they holy, they were acid washed. So, hey, we got one on you there. All right, so. See, if you live long enough, you get the opportunity to experience things from different perspectives, right? Cool. So. Uh, so I'm, I may not have been clad in the latest fashion or the, or the most popular brands, but however, we were clothed. So here's the, that's the situation, that's the scenario. Five of us, dad was there working, things came hard. You understand it, it didn't just flow free like it does, you know, seems to nowadays. It just, it was, it was, it was hard sometimes. There were some, some close times, but here's the deal. If my parents ever put out for you to have something, it was expected that you would appreciate what was given to you 
that it wouldn't be taken for granted and that it was not abused and that it was not wasted. And if you wanted to get on my parents' bad side really quick, all you had to do was abuse or misuse something that they had given to you at a great sacrifice. It, it, it wasn't acceptable. I'm going to just tell you this story. It's, it's kind of funny, I know. But when, when I was a kid, I, I had things pounded in me so, so hard, so bad, that, that it was just frightful sometimes. But my bicycle was not to be left out in the rain under any circumstances whatsoever. It's yours. Take care of it, whatever. I'd pass by places, houses, and I'd see kids that had thrown theirs down in the yard. They were laying out there in the rain, and I was sure that the booger man was going to get them before the day was over. I'm not kidding you. But you you were to take care of it, you know. You you were to you were to appreciate it. You were to you were not supposed to be uh, irresponsible with your money. It was not acceptable to lay a delicate item in a vulnerable place where it could get stepped on or damaged. It just it wasn't good. It didn't fly. And you know what? In some of those times, I can remember as a child that I would go to my parents and I would ask for things. And in some instances, they were things that had already been given to me at some point. And I would go and I would ask again for that same thing. And they would ask me in return, well, son, what happened to the last one I gave you? Have you, any of you ever heard that? Now, a lot of times it was an unfortunate firecracker explosion. But, you know, and then the second question would be this. Why should I buy you another one This time, when the last time I gave you that, you wasted it. You ruined it. You misused it. You abused it. And then the third ensuing question that would come would be this. If I do this for you again, are you going to do the same thing with it this time that you did with it the last time? And you know what? I used to think as a recipient, remember, if you live long enough, you get to see things from both sides. But I used to think as a recipient, this was just absolutely ludicrous. But as a parent now, and as a giver of things to my children, I have come to value and appreciate this perspective. And I have learned that more expressive than the words that come from the mouth of the child at the time the gift is given are the actions of that child with regard to the continuing stewardship exercised over the gift. Now let me, let me illustrate that for you. Some of you moms and dads here in the house, walk with me here for just a minute, okay? How many of you have ever dug really deep? You've just, you've dug sacrificially deep, painfully deep for that special gift that your kid had begged for for the last several months only to find that within two weeks or a couple of hours for that matter or maybe just a few minutes after they had it in their hand they had completely lost interest in it and and most of the time wouldn't even know where it was located. Isn't it disheartening to spend hundreds of bucks and they're more impressed with the box than the contents? I mean, honestly. Honestly. 
But what is our assumption then in that moment? Our assumption in, in that moment is that they don't appreciate the gifts that they've been given. They have no, no sense of value. They don't, they, don't, they don't understand how this thing got here. They don't understand the sacrifice. They don't understand all that went into getting that. And they don't appreciate it. So after much prayer of, uh, about this upcoming Thanksgiving holiday, it's a, it's a time when, from a preaching standpoint, we always turn our messages or the focus of our messages for a few weeks to the topic of being thankful, the emotional benefits of being thankful, and the spiritual advantages of being a thankful person. And, and when the Lord spoke to my heart concerning this series of messages, it's as if He said to me, Steve, you know, Actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. How many of you would say that you are blessed? You're, you're blessed. I mean, it's just, you know, you don't understand. God's just raining down blessings. We Thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing for me. Thank you, God, for everything that I have. Thank you, Lord, for the, the warm home. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the clothes. Thank you for the car. And we know that we're blessed. And, and in an instant, when the Lord said, spoke that word into my heart and said, you know, actions speak louder than words, in an instant I remembered those things from my childhood when I, when I didn't exercise stewardship the way that I should have. When I didn't treat those things or handle those things in a way that, that showed that I was appreciative for what I'd been given. I also thought about, uh, recalled the pleasure that it brought to the lives of my parents, the joy expressed on their faces when they had given me something and I exercised great stewardship over it. I took care of it, I polished it, I maintained it. Whatever, whatever the case, there was always a sense that I was expressing gratitude through stewardship. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the fact that the greatest way that you and I can say thank you for the things that we've been given, the things that the Lord has blessed us with, is by exercising stewardship over those things that He has provided for us. So for this Thanksgiving season, I'm going to be challenging you to really take a close inventory over the things that the Lord has placed in your hands and grade yourself on the exercise of stewardship over the gifts that God has placed in your hands. And I believe that the best way that we can say thank you to God is by being the most effective managers of the things that He has trusted to us. And I don't know why it is that we come to church and we have an anticipation that somebody's going to share with us something from the Word, yet it seems taboo in the church world if we begin to talk about things like money and material possessions. People kind of get a little tense. Some people start checking out. People start to get a little nervous. And they say, look, I didn't come here for this. I came here for a word this morning. I come here to hear something from the Bible. But can I tell you, the irony in that is that there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that deal specifically with how you and I should exercise stewardship over the blessings that we've received from the Lord. Speaking from a topical manner, that. Money and material possessions is one of the highest 
numbered subjects, most often spoke of subjects in all of Scripture. So it should come no, to no, as no surprise to us as we come and we look, around, look at the Word together that somewhere along the way the topic of stewardship would come up. So we're going we're gonna to cover a number of biblical principles and we're going to show you that not only some biblical truth in there, but we're going to show you some clear logic as to why the things that you say that you're trusting God for, you may be finding that they're not coming to pass in your life the way you think they should. And the key to that may be you're not exercising stewardship over the things that you already have been given. Why would, you know, we've got to ask ourselves sometimes and say, why would God trust us with more? Why would God trust us with more if we're not exercising the appropriate stewardship over what we've already been given? But isn't that the prayer of all of us? Is God more? More blessing? You know, we want to recite the prayer of Jabez, God increase my territory. We, we want more. So we've, if we're going to expect more, then we've got to look at what are we doing with what we've already been entrusted What are we doing with what we've already been entrusted? The important thing for us as a church is that, yes, we have a mission to fulfill. And yes, we have properties to maintain. And yes, we have costs associated with utilities and supplies. And and all of those things take money. You understand that. That great kids program, youth program, men's, women's ministry, outreach to the city, whatever it is, it all takes resources. But more importantly, we're in the business of heart transformation. So when we talk about stewardship today, I want want you to understand it has nothing to do with church business. It has everything to do with the business of the condition of hearts. It has everything because the Bible gives us two areas where our hearts can be measured. Number one is our word. Number two is our treasure. The word says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Word says where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. And I've got to be honest with you when I say in these next few weeks, they may not be the most comfortable, but please come back. We're going to to hopefully inspire you to, to walk by faith in some very sensitive areas of life. Okay? And I want, to, I want to give you one simple thought today as we are looking in the Word together. And I, I hope that it will transform your view of things and begin to condition your heart for the messages that lie ahead. And that is this. Today I, I want to talk to you about recognizing the source of your gift. If we're going to appropriately express thanks and gratitude and appreciation we have to first recognize where our gift comes from. Where our blessings, from whom and from where our blessings flow. And we've already read it in James chapter 1, but we'll throw that verse back up on the screen again. And it says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. Now, the context of this verse is that James has been talking about temptation entering our lives. 
And, and maybe he's refuting some arguments. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. But, but maybe somebody has said, well, God calls me to be tempted. James says, oh, no, 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 you don't understand my God. My God did not cause you to be tempted. That's not the way that he operates. He doesn't bring bad things into your life. But our God gives good things. And he offers this contrast here in this verse and says, hey, James is saying, hey, don't blame God for the temptation. That's not how he operates. The things that we desire, those are the things that God gives us. And Jesus even once in his teaching said this, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does God know how to bless you? Think about that for just a minute. What would you do for your children? Let me ask you this, even more important. What wouldn't you do for your children? If you're wise, you don't spoil them. If you're wise, you don't permit the abuse of things that you've given to them, but you teach them how to steward the blessing. You train them. And, and you know, sometimes we've got to go back to that, to that childhood place. And we've got to think about that relationship between us and our earthly parents and some of those questions. Hey, what happened to the last one you had? Hey, if I do this for you again, what are, you, are you going to treat this blessing the same way you treated the last one? Is the end of this little army dog going to end up with a tragic firecracker explosion? I know not one of you can imagine that happening. Let me ask you this. How many of you are blessed? Amen. How many of you believe this word today that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning? Do you believe that? I've got to be honest. You know, if we, if we really believe that, then we should behave like that. Our belief should determine our behavior. And if, if our behavior is not modeled by something that we state, then we really don't believe it. There are certain things that I really firmly believe in this life. I believe that rattlesnakes are harmful, therefore I stay as far away from them as I can, right? I don't get close. Why? Because I believe that they hurt. I believe that they are lethal, you know? So I, I stay away from them. You will never find Steve. Tracking down a poisonous snake. I used to watch this guy. How many of you remember the, was it the crocodile hunter? I used to watch that guy on TV. And I said, that guy's not a believer. (laughs) That guy is not a believer. Because belief determines behavior. And I told my wife one day, and I hope I didn't speak prophetically, but I said, one day that guy's going to die. Because it's foolish to handle things that you know are deadly. Now, I'm sorry that, you know, he was quite entertaining. I really enjoyed his program. But belief determines behavior. And if we believe that every blessing that we have has come from God, then that belief begins to or should begin to affect our behavior. And I've got to be honest with you today. 
I've been in a lot of churches and I've talked to a lot of pastors and I've, you know, we, we just converse about these things and we talk about them. And I've got to be honest and say that there's a large majority of the body of Christ that if we were to look simply at tithing records alone, you'd believe there's a lot of people in the kingdom living on less than $1,000 a year. And I'm saying to you today, church, belief determines behavior. And if we believe that every blessing, every good thing that we have has come from God, we ought to behave like it. And I want to challenge you today that if you feel like you're in a financial pit, I want you and your spouse to go home today and have some real serious conversations about how you're exercising stewardship over the things that God has blessed you with. It just may be that God is looking on at your life and He's holding a blessing that you wouldn't be able to contain, but He's not releasing it into your life right now because He's not seeing you be responsible with what you've already been given. It's like my parents at Kmart standing there in the toy aisle next to the blue light. There's a blast from the past, right? Your mama and them, they'll tell you about it later, okay? And he's just wanting to know, have you been responsible with what you've already had? And somebody objects to this today. You're, you're listening to this word either in the house or online today. And, and you're, you're hearing this and you're going, well, I'm going to tell that preacher something. I get up every day. Tomorrow's Monday morning. The clock's going off. I'm getting up and I'm going out and I'm getting mine. Well, I want to tell you that Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says this. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And after all that, what are you getting at the end of the week? Because Haggai chapter 2 says the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. In the book of Proverbs, uh, Psalms, Psalm 24, it says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to Him. Everything. It all belongs to God. That everything that you possess, that house, that car, that account, whatever it is, there may be a little piece of paper with your name on it. But the truth of the matter is that it belongs to God. And that title or that deed just signifies that you are the official manager of God's property. You are the official manager of God's property. If you, if you really want to be a thankful person, you've got to recognize the fact that everything that you have actually belongs to someone else. And you're just a manager of that resource. It's not mine. I want to tell you something. I know pretty much everybody in this room. I know where you live. I don't mean that creepy. <laughs> Sometimes that comes across wrong, you know. It's not a threat. It's just a fact. I don't think any of you came down from up under a covert this morning. I don't believe any of you came from under the bridge. You didn't have to light a fire in a metal barrel last night to keep warm. You just walked over to the wall and hit a little switch and it blew nice, clean, warm air on you while you laid in your big, oversized, California king-size bed. 
with little gadgets that make noise to help you rest in peaceful dreams. You come in here this morning, you've got $800 worth of phone in your pocket. You've got another five or $600 worth of tablet that you're looking at. And you all look pretty sharply dressed. Nice looking group of folks. Look at your neighbor. Just say you're nice looking today. We're blessed. I'm telling you that God has given us a pretty good loan here. You understand that? He, he hasn't been withholding from us. You, you, you follow where I'm going here. He's not being stingy with us, but He has blessed us in abundance. And church, if we really want to be thankful, we've got to recognize that fact. We've got to recognize that fact that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. And this week, This week, I want you to dream about how different your life would be, how different your home would be, how different your church and community would be if we all just took to heart the words of the Bible concerning the stewardship of our resources. I want you to think about how different things would be if the steps of biblical stewardship were taken by faith that would release untold blessings of God in your life then I want to challenge you to adjust your lifestyle. Adjust your spending habits. Adjust your view of who's really in control of your possessions and say thanks to God with the greatest effort of stewardship you've ever done. Here's the thing. Because sometimes we get it mixed up. We say, well, I've been to church on Sunday and I'm not one of those people that my tithe record would indicate I'm living on less than a thousand bucks a year. I'm a faithful tither. I give my 10%. And sometimes we, we begin to feel like that we give the 10 and the 90 belongs to us. And that's just not the way it works. We give the ten out of faithful obedience, but the ninety still belongs to God. One hundred percent of it belongs to God. And we need to exercise the greatest degree of stewardship that we can over it. And the truth is that all of our blessings belong to God. And how we steward that gift says a lot about the sincerity of our thanksgiving. Has God given you something and by His estimation would it appear that you're more enthused with the box that it came in? Are you sincerely thankful every day? Realize what God has done for you. We celebrated our veterans today. We've celebrated our veterans this weekend. Church, it's a privilege. Pastor Lisa talked about it this morning, about being excited to be here. Can I tell you, it's a privilege to be here in this house today. It's a privilege to be gathered with God's people today. And that is a blessing of God. We can't come here and take this for granted. We, we can't come here and, 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 and just act like it's our right 
It is our right, but it's been given to us. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. There are untold millions of people across this globe. They're not able to do this this morning. It's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to be able to fellowship with one another and to openly proclaim and profess our faith. It's a blessing to have these wonderful worship team here and musicians to minister to us. It's a blessing to have the ushers and the greeters and everybody that makes ministry happen, the teachers and different people that make ministry happen on this campus week in and week out. God has blessed us. Would you stand with me? I want you to think for just a moment. About some of the frustration. About some of the worry. About some of the anxiety, you know, because as it pertains to the material needs of this life, that's probably one of the areas that we can get the most knotted up about. And I want you to think right now about the faithfulness of God. Because sometimes with each new challenge, a fresh wave of amnesia can seem to sweep over us and we forget what God has done for us in the past. But today, if you're dealing with a situation, a struggle, a strain in life, I want you to think back to a time... When God came through, when He blessed you, at just that right moment, when you thought there was no hope whatsoever, God showed up. Situations changed. Provision was made. Doors were opened. Whatever that case, I want you to remember that. And as we worship the Lord in closing today, I want you to express your greatest gratitude, your greatest praise to the Lord this morning. And just thank Him for His goodness. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.